6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. podcast is brought to you today by Dr. Rayvon. Dr. Rayvon is on a mission to break generational suffering and draw souls and lives to truth. Join in on the movement today and learn more by visiting drrayvon.com. Once again, that's drrayvon.com. Welcome everybody to another episode of Transparency Talks Podcast. Listen, we have an amazing show for you guys today. But before I bring on my special guest, make sure that you guys are taking the time to enjoy life. You know, there's so many things going on with COVID, people losing their lives and everything. Use this time to become creative. Life is short. Do things that you love to do, write a book, read a book, <laughs> exercise, there's so many things. Read my book, Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying. Also, I recommend you check out Defiant Ones Team Magazine. So without further ado, I would like to bring on Ms. Tanisha Jamison. She is the CEO and founder of Hood to Heights. Hello, how are you? Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me share my story today. Well, thank you for being on the show. I just want to tell you that your story is a story full of hope. And it, 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 it really grabbed me when I listened to it when I was reading about you. So can you tell our listeners about yourself? Okay. My name is Tanisha Jamison, and I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm 33 years old. I'm a mother of four and a wife, and I have three businesses um, under my name right now, two child care centers, and a program called Hood the Heights. Wow! Um, I started my I started my daycare center, my first daycare center, um, back in 2015, um, and it was not an easy journey. So um, I just wanted to rewind and talk about the journey of how I became a daycare owner. Um, so. We grew up with a lot, I mean, with, like, a lot of, like, what do you call it, Um, drug-infested people around us. Like, a lot of my family members um, are drug addicts, um, alcohol addicts. My mom was a daughter of an alcohol addict, and she had 10 siblings. And my grandma couldn't provide for everyone. So a lot of my uncles and stuff either became drug addicts or they either were shot and killed. And so we grew up um, in a just a really bad neighborhood. So we didn't have a lot to look up to. And I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. All I knew is I wanted to get out our city. So my mom, she provided like the best life she could for us. But she was a single mom. 
um, and she had a hard time doing so because she didn't have anybody to look up to. So when um, I became a teenager, I was acting out a lot because I was I was battling mental illness, which were in our family, um, and it was um, ADHD and bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed when I was a teenager. So I was battling that while I was in high school, and I became pregnant at the age of 16. Um, I had my son, and, you know, I, my mom was there to support me, and so that allowed me to continue to finish high school, get my high school diploma, and I eventually signed up and went to college. Um, it, it was a very rough road in college because, like I said, I had ADHD, and now I was a mom, and it was hard for me to focus in school, and I didn't know um, about the importance of taking medication because I came from a family that didn't believe in it so my mom didn't believe that I had a mental disorder um, and that's what plays the black community um, that we know of we don't support that and we don't talk about it much we just kind of throw it in the back burner so we I never was medicated for ADHD so I just learned how to deal with it the hard way and so I was bouncing around from college to college from job to job and I just had no focus. And so um, I ended up going to different avenues to find ways to make money. And I messed up my credit as a single mom, of course, um, just trying to do everything that I can to feed my kids. And I ended up um, crashing. So when I crashed, I ended up um, going to a mental hospital because I felt like I couldn't do it all like I just felt like I had no support I maxed out all my credit cards I um, couldn't get credit anymore because my credit was bad and I was on check systems because I you know was writing bad checks because I didn't have a way to get any extra money to feed my son so what happened was um, when I went into the hospital I literally heard other um, people's stories and that brought me to the realization that my life wasn't as bad as it can be. And so I just told myself I had to toughen up. And even though I didn't have the support that I felt like I needed, I still had the ability to get out and do things. So I became a nanny. And being a nanny opened the doors to so much. Like, I didn't know what a passport was. I didn't know, you know, how to travel outside of the United States. I didn't know what a cultured life was. Like, I just knew what we had, and it was like a lot of nothing. So when I became a nanny, I learned how to speak another language. Um, we, we took jets places. We, um, we went to yacht clubs and everything. And it opened my, my life to see what could be. Like, I just, I never knew that this life existed. So me working for other people allowed me to say, hey, I want way more for my kid and I want way more for myself. So I just stopped spending money like on a lot of stuff and I just went without because I worked three jobs at this point. I became a nanny. I worked at a factory as a welder and I was working as a postal carrier. So I would have three jobs so that I can um, save up as much money as I can. Then I started working on clearing up my credit. 
So I fixed my credit over a year span and I used my tax money. I put it all together and maxed out my credit cards again, but this time I was able to max out my credit cards and open up my first daycare center. And that's how I opened the daycare center. Taking a pause for the cause, this your girl Butter B Rock, a Transparency Talks podcast. This is my home girl, L.S. Lane, with I Am. Get loud. I get lost. Let go. I made a comeback. This shit got so crazy, I live. I'm back on the right track. Next time it gets stupid, I do it myself. Don't need nobody else. But the mothers and brothers and soldiers and ATL. Some I'm hoping that I would fail. They afraid of the power, the truth they know I'ma tell. Nah, nah, nah. I'm down, ain't easy. Wanna take more than that to seize me. I stay in a woman's place from behind a rope in your face against the sea, man. I'm telling them what it is, they refuse to believe me. I came with the product, I got the wallet, I got the knowledge, I got the whole pack. I know y'all seen me swear before, but I don't know it's what. Could have been the booty club, better show. Can't the road, probably with you, cuz. Now I ain't like all them other girls, but I will shake a little sun. In other words, I'll drop a verse. On rehearse, y'all drop a little money. Now I'm thick of, I remain humble. Drop this album, keep the same number. Relocate from the north to the south. Tell them about me by the word of the mouth. I'll be alright. I got that ticket. But in real life, gotta get them biscuits. This is America, sell me no dreams. Statue of liberty, know what that means. I am the queen. I'm, I'm sitting here like speechless because you just said a whole mouthful 
that wow okay so we're gonna let's dive into everything that you just said so you had a very tough childhood you grew up in a rough neighborhood that had gangs and gun violence and drugs and everything and I read in information that you ended up moving in your family ended up moving in with your grandma after your mom and your dad divorced um and she couldn't you know maintain her house so she ended up moving in with your grandmother and yes. that you your dad kidnapped you from your grandmother's house yes. okay yes. So and then my the dad, police had to my, intervene <laughs> yeah so my dad um lost custody of me because it was three of us me and two mm-hmm. brothers um, I was the oldest, so the court had asked, where did me and my middle brother want to go? So, because he was old enough to say. So I said I wanted to go with my mom. My middle brother said he wanted to go with my dad. And my little brother was too young to make a decision, so he went back and forth. So one week he'd stay with my mom, one week he'd stay with my dad. Well, my dad come from a really, really religious family. Um, they're Jehovah Witnesses, and he did not believe in breaking up a family. Like, um, he did not want a divorce at all he was not willing to accept the divorce so um one night he asked me to um come to his house and i didn't want to because i didn't feel like i wanted to keep going back and forth like my brother i just wanted to stay with my mom because i had friends over there and i didn't really have friends at my dad's house so i said no a few times and then he said well we go to the toy store and so he did he came and he picked me up and he took me to the toy store and I asked him, I said, well, where's my brothers? And he said, they're at the house. And um, we're just going to run to the house real quick so you can say hi to them and I'll take you back to your mom's house. And when we went to his house, he had um, chains on the door and locks on the windows. And it was, we lived on the seventh floor of an apartment building. So um, it was no way for me to leave out. When, when I walked in, he immediately locked the door. He didn't do anything bad to me. I mean... The room and stuff was nice. I never had my own bedroom. He painted the room pink. It had toys everywhere. It was like the nicest room I ever seen in my life. But he also had no intention on letting me go back to my mom's house. He um, took all the phone cords out the walls. The next day, well, the next that night, my mom tried to come pick me up, and he was like literally telling me to get away from the window. I was banging on the window. The police came. And they told me that it was not kidnapping because he was my father. And that went on for about, I think, almost two weeks before he had to go back to work. And he took me to his mom's house. And that's where I ran away from his mom's house and went to a payphone and called my mom to pick me up. And I didn't talk to my dad for um, almost two years. And, and, I, and eventually forgave him because it was not like he did it to harm me. He did it because he, you know, he loved me. He couldn't deal with us being broken up as a family. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. I can definitely understand that. But how tough was that mentally for you to deal with that? Because what age was you? I was um, like nine years old. Mm. So how was, tough was it that? It was really tough. It was like I'm, I'm like emotional now because it was really tough to um, see my mom and her sister like telling me to try to get out the house for me to even mm-hmm. have to think about having to get out. And then um, I never seen my dad so angry, like yelling, like, get away from the window. That 
it was really tough and you know I feel betrayed because his family were all you know they're all so sweet and they're all Jehovah Witnesses and you know they preach about everything and then they all helped him you know it was a big plan so I feel betrayed by everybody and you know my brothers had to watch me be angry they didn't understand what was going on they're like you know we like being over here so why are you crying so much and so I locked myself in my room like I literally didn't want to come out uh, I just I think I destroyed like all of my toys in there it was a lot I think it, it was more so the fact that you had a choice and that choice was now taken away and then it it became you, you know it was definitely it sounds like it was definitely done out of love you know your love for your dad's love for you that he wanted you know you guys to be a family it just sounds like it was done the wrong way and it made it feel prison-ish <laughs> yeah. you know if that in the makes way that it sense. looked it was very it looked very prisonish like we have metal bars on the windows and you know, it was a lot to get out the house. It was it was something I never seen before. Like I never even seen it on a movie. So like wow. as as I'm an adult now and I watch Lifetime forever, it reminded me of a Lifetime movie. When I look back on it, I was like, That's so crazy because, you know, even though he didn't do anything wrong, it was mm-hmm. wrong as a child looking at that and it and it, it took my you know, I lost respect for him as a child and I didn't trust him but you know, we grew up in Christian schools as well, so I forgave him after about a year and a half because, you know, he's my father and you only get one, so. Right. Well, that is good that you was able to move on and forgive your dad because, like I said, it does sound like he did it out of love, but it was just the wrong type, the wrong way to go about it. And um, I guess he felt he had to do what he needed to do to, you know, have you there to make you guys still be a family. So I'm glad to know that you guys worked that out. We need your help to empower Ugandan girls to receive sustainable menstrual health and education. Sustainable menstrual health is vital to avoid infections, teen pregnancies, early marriages, shame in the community and at their schools. With your contributions, the Ugandan girls will receive reusable sanitary pads that can be used for about three to four years. In addition to receiving personal healthy sanitary kits, women in the communities will be empowered with skills and health trainings to make sanitary kits through their village savings and credit associations. Their economy will be enriched improving their livelihoods and expansion of access to menstrual health solution. Every contribution, no matter how big or small, helps girls enrolled for education remain in school and stay healthy. Please donate today to platformfortheneedy.org. Once again, that's platformfortheneedy.org. Taking another pause for the cause, it's your girl Butter B. Rocker, Transparency Talks Podcast, baby. Listen, follow me on all social media platforms at Transparency Talks Podcast and also Butter B. Rocker. This is JJ Day with Me Too. Shorty, could you swing my way? Swing my way. Cause you look so damn good to me. 
You by yourself, girl, that's hard to believe Cause you the baddest thing I've ever seen Yeah, girl, you dripping the flyers You so thick you can't hide it Got it stuck in my mind and now I can't get you out of my head I hope I never need to Can't see me be with nobody else I hope I never need to I hope ain't wasting my time and my breath Yeah, yeah I'm selfish, I want you all to myself And she said me again to our sponsors, Platform for the Needy. Visit them and donate today at platformfortheneedy.org. Once again, that's platformfortheneedy.org. So at the age of 15, you signed a modeling contract with the agent, but you didn't get the immediate success you was hoping for. Now, my kids, they signed with the agency when they were seven. They signed for acting and modeling. And my first, my son's first audition, he got, he got placed for a TV show. But after that, he kept doing, you know, auditions and he wasn't getting picked for anything. So mm-hmm. he started, you know, really taking it personal. What mm-hmm. was your expectations? Because you said you wasn't getting the success you was hoping for. What was your immediate you know, expectations with this agency? So I was with an agency here in Cleveland, Ohio, 
And um, they told us that they were going to fly us out to L.A. and we were going to audition. They showed us these videos of all these success success stories of people um, becoming Disney stars, Nickelodeon stars, and they were all out the agency. So they told us, like, we were we would have success, and if they picked us, they picked us because they knew that we would become successful. They didn't change us. They didn't tell us that we would have to change or that um, if if they felt like our look was not the right look. They basically told us if we pick you guys out of all these other um, kids that's auditioning, you are a right fit for our company. And so um, my church family and my mom, they spent money to have me go out there and um, go to LA and they spent a lot of money to, you know, for the flight and hotel and all of that stuff. And we spent, I think, at least, I think four to five days in LA and we did nonstop auditioning in front of a lot of movie stars, producers and everything. And then on the last day, they have a list of what producer wanted to pick you up and if you should stay in LA and if you shouldn't and stuff like that. So, um, we had roommates and like a lot of my roommates made on the list and I didn't get picked for anything that I wanted to get picked for. It was basically nothing. And when I had talked to one of my coaches, they told me it was because I was overweight and mm. I, I wasn't overweight, but to them, you know, I was on the cutoff between being a model and being an actress. And I was not tall enough to be a model. So I was on the actress field, but I wanted to be more on the modeling field. So either or, I didn't get picked for much, but a hair a hair commercial. And um, that was it. So they said that I had to lose weight. And so what happened was one of the people that got picked for a lot of stuff, she had told us that... Um, her coach told her to go on a water fast. And um, I asked my coach about it, and she told me, yeah, you could do a water fast. It would be a good way to lose weight. And so, you know, at this point, we're teenagers, and then we're easily influenced. So when we went on the water fast and the weight fell off, like, super fast, I continued to because everybody was, like, complimenting, like, oh, you look nice, you look good. And it was, I think I only lost maybe five or six pounds, but it came off so fast. And I started looking for different ways to um, keep losing weight. And I had became anorexic in the process. And my coach knew it. And everybody else that was in the agency, mostly all the girls, had the same problem because we all helped each other. So when our parents became worried, we found ways to support each other and tell each other how to hide the fact that we had anorexia, how to hide the fact that we were losing so much weight. We started wearing bigger clothes. We um, started hiding our, our um, food if it was left over. And when my mommy finally became aware, you know, it doesn't run in our, in our culture. Like, black people don't become anorexic. This was something that she didn't even think could be possible. So when she became aware of it, she was just like, you know, I'm just going to make sure that my daughter eats. But she didn't know that I developed a mental disorder, that I didn't know that I was losing so much weight and that I looked sick. I didn't see that. So, you know, it. she was like, well, I'm just going to cut you off from modeling and I'm going to cut you off from acting. But at this time, I already developed 
a community of people that supported this new lifestyle and it was hard to get rid of yeah I can I can definitely understand that and it, especially at a, such a young age I have a lot of friends that are supermodels and I mean they are extra 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 thin and I do think that it is you know a sense of you know you have to look a certain way even in the music industry which I'm in you know yeah. you, you're not you're not acceptable if you're a certain size I mean it's starting to right. change now but for the most part, you know, you got to look a certain way and a certain height, a certain, yeah. you know, weight and stuff like that. So I can definitely understand at such a young age how that would influence you and create you, you know, and, and have you, you know, eating, eating crazy or not eating at all and everything. So, and you're right in, in the black community, that's not something that we typically have a problem with. Not usually. Exactly. So, I'm glad that your mom finally was like, okay, this ain't, something ain't right. (laughs) You know, kids can definitely hide stuff, you know, put on bigger clothes, do different things, you know, to hide it and everything. Yeah, so. Yeah, and we became so good at hiding it all. And, you know, like, and, you know, my mom, she talks a lot. So she was starting to share it with her friends. She was just, and, but she wasn't saying it in a supportive way. She would say it like, and my damn daughter, she don't even want to eat anymore, you know. So it was making me, you know, feel even worse because, like, I did want to get better, but I also didn't want to gain weight. So I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. And I also yeah. didn't understand what I looked like. Like, to me, I always looked fat, but to the scale, I, I, I weighed nothing. So when I got down to... Um, like a size zero, I wanted to be smaller than that because I, I started ordering clothes from China that was even smaller, like kid sizes. So um, it, it, it was out of hand and I ended up going, you know, to the hospital for that as well. And we had to work through that. And that is when, you know, when I was at the hospital to for a deep eating disorder that is when i found out that i was pregnant with my son taking a pause for the cause it's your girl butter b rocker transparency talks podcast baby listen this is my new single strange love featuring homer mac make sure you check out the video make sure you get it on all digital platforms let's go
Okay, so let's let's tap a little bit more on this eating disorder. So for the listeners out there, what would be some signs for parents to look for, you know, from their kids on if their child might have an eating disorder? Not wanting to eat around anybody. Um, taking a long time to finish their meals, like pushing food around. We, we taught each other that to just push our food around the plate. And um, we we was taught each other we taught each other to hide like like put chip bags and stuff around our rooms to act like we were eating um when you start when we started wearing bigger clothes we actually started putting weights in our clothes to make the scales look the same so i would say um tell your kids to put a bathing suit on and put put on clothes let's see what their body looks like um because because guys have it too it's not just a female thing i mean it's males that have it it's females that have it and they start very young i mean in our agency it was 12 year olds that had eating disorders that would not touch food and it's it's and it's it's sickening to see but it's really sickening to deal with like it's it becomes it, it takes over your life i mean it's like we posted pictures of super skinny models all over our bedrooms and our diaries um, we read about it it was something that we consumed on the internet we went on chat rooms about it um i wrote poetry and my poetry was all about it you know so it's so many different ways that you have to be able to check on your child but at the same time you can't bash them for it and you can't force them to eat because that is not the problem the problem is a mental problem so forcing them to eat is not going to do anything but um you know make them lash out or make them not trust you with their secret because i'm pretty sure if they have an eating disorder is a secret and you want your child to be able to talk to you so if they come to you and talk to you about having an eating disorder the best way is to keep telling them that they're beautiful keep um you know help them coach them through and maybe even have someone talk to them about you know what happens in life later when um you get sick from having eating disorder as an adult have them talk to a therapist or a counselor and maybe not try to go about it yourself because as a as adults we don't always know the right things to say to our kids yeah yeah that's some absolutely great advice so you ended up in the psych ward for your eating disorder mm-hmm. and you found out you was diagnosed with bipolar and AD, ADHD um, yeah and you also found out while you was in the psych ward that you was pregnant Yep. What is your state of mind dealing with all of this at one time? All I wanted was my mom not to come to the hospital because I just thought that she, I literally thought that she would kill me if she came to the hospital. Like I said, my mom cannot find this out. Like I promised her so many times that I was going to stay on the right track. I told the hospital, I said, well, you know, it's no way that I'm going to be able to tell my mom that I'm pregnant. So at that time, um, I was fine with the with the medication, but they said I couldn't take the medication. That they they wanted to treat me with ADHD and bipolar, but I couldn't take the medication because they found out I was pregnant. So right. they said we have to tell your mom so that we can get a consent to treat the disorders. And I said that well, that's not going to be able to happen. 
So I wrote a letter to my mom and I said, if you guys give this letter to my mom, then I don't want any visitors. I want her to be able to calm down, you know, because um, she always, you know, told me not to become a teen mom because she was a young mom and it was hard and, you know, and everything. So she just wanted a better life. So I, I just, I didn't want to let her down. So when I wrote the letter, I just said, I don't want any visitors for three days. You know, my mom has to calm down. She has to think it through because I don't want her to, you know, come up here and do anything crazy. So they said, okay. And they, and I called my, at the time, boyfriend. And I said, you, we got to find a way to break me out of here so that I can get an abortion because I can't have a baby. And so um, I, I wrote that in my book as well. And I was thinking about it, and I told him, I said, you know, we got this plan, and my roommate came up with a plan that how we're going to get out the, you know, hospital when a food service person was going to come and everything. We had it all planned out. And then the next day when he was supposed to come, he actually came with his mom, his dad, my mom, my dad, and they all came up to the hospital, and he came with a wedding, a wedding ring to ask me to marry him and keep the baby and I was so shocked and not happy at all because that was not the plan and I didn't want everybody to know and I didn't know what to do so um, I did end up having my son and it was like very it was very difficult because I wasn't mentally ready to have a kid so you know the million dollar question he comes up with a ring with your family and his family did you say yes we heard that you had the baby but did you say yes <laughs> I definitely didn't say yes I said no <laughs> I walked out the room <laughs> I, I literally was just like I'm not going back home I don't you know like you were supposed to come up here and pick me up and what you know what's going on and it was a mess so when I walked out the room the nurses are they already knew because I was supposed to not have visitors. So they right. already talked to the nurses about what was going on. So, you know, my nurses had calmed me down and they told me to go back in the room and they said it's going to be a family talk and we're going to give you time. So, you know, my mom and everybody, they hugged me and they said they wasn't mad and they were going to support me and, you know, we were going to get it, through it together. But no, well, that's I did not good. <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds like you know he tried to do the honorable thing and um it's definitely good to hear that you know even though you was going through that your family and his family you know was there to let you know that they supported you even though it didn't feel like it it felt like an ambush at the moment you know what i mean yep. but they if you look at it in hindsight i mean they really did that out of love and you know exactly. support so so okay yeah Oh, you had the baby, you begin, you graduate from high school, you begin working full time to take care of your baby, you're going to school, you're trying to raise this baby and everything. And it's tough. It's real tough. I have, I have two boys, I was married, but it was still tough. And then yeah. you imagine you're doing it on your own, trying to, you know, finish school, make good grades and all of this type of stuff. Something's going to have to give. Something's going to, um, eventually something is going to go downhill in one of the areas. So, mm -hmm. okay. So you graduated and yep. like I said, you begin raising your kids and everything and your parents started to help you correct 
Correct. You know, with your kids. And then you eventually landed on your feet. So mm-hmm. take us to how did you end up landing on your feet and now you're at a point where you empower other women to do the same. Taking another pause for the cause, it's your girl Butterbee Rocker. Listen, make sure you guys are following me on all social media at Transparency Talks Podcast. Now I mean, this is Samurai Tide with Allen. Christian Louboutins, it got my bottoms like a lobster, monster. I'ma eat the beat up like it's pasta. Rolling down the street, I'm wearing black just like a mobster. You don't want no smoke, you get unhealthy, need a doctor. Shout out to my homie, he got dreads like a roster. Relay me the word and I might bring a couple shots. I be pulling strings, no guitar, but I'm a rock star. I be on the highway and I'm dodging all the cop cars. Writing all my lyrics, I be writing like an author. No, my name ain't Luke, but I am a Skywalker. Got that number now, I'm pulling up like Tony Parker. I just like to kick it with your booby playing soccer. Shawty bad, she inked up like a marker I be steady cooking in the stool like Betty Crocker Way too many bands, I go to Linux, I'm a shopper I'm just trying to jump up to the top like Grasshopper Shawty asked me for that Louis and that Prada She do nothing for me, so I had to give her nada I'm in the casino in Las Vegas in Nevada I got me a foreign thing, she come from Guatemala Ayy and them bands in my pocket Shawty said she want me when she walk inside my closet Ay, We know you faking, homie, stop it Gotta play it smart, I make it back, I make that profit Finish playing soccer, she gon' kick it like a sensei Left the spot on Monday, but she be right back on Wednesday She don't take opinions, she don't care about what her friends say I've been making progress, I've been trying to make some headway Shawty got them curls, and she like to use a can too I just get so lucky, number 12, like I'm Andrew I can't let her try to tie the knot just like a bantu Always keep it real, because I'm never acting brand new I'ma light it up just like a candle I secured a drip and used to rockin' Nike sandals Soon they bout to know me and they'll call me by my handle I'ma need a platinum sitting pretty on my mantle Always keep that water, you would think I was a camel And my life's sweet, it can mess up your enamel There are several ways you can tune in to Transparency Talks Podcast, including Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Blaze One Radio in Atlanta, Squeaky Radio in Detroit, Glass FM in Nigeria, Soul City to Beat in Italy, London's Energy Radio in London, Rock Dan Radio in Canada, Soul Fusion Radio in South Africa, and Q-Mix Radio in Japan. You can listen in to any of the stations by going to ButterBeRocka.com. That's B-U-T-T-A-B-R-O-C-K-A.com. Follow me on all social medias at Transparency Talks Podcast, also at ButterBeRocka. And subscribe today to my YouTube channel at Transparency Talks Podcast. So I finally went on my feet. I decided to clean up my credit, um, be strong, I decided I was not going to let my mental disorder be like a crutch. Like I was not going to say I have this problem and I'm not and I'm not good enough or I had these issues and I'm never going to be good enough. So I literally said I'm going to be better than anybody that was ever there to tell me that I wasn't going to be. So I was I wanted to prove not just them wrong, but to myself. I wanted to show myself that I could do it. So I, um, I'm, when I was out on my own, 
I was, you know, struggling to pay the bills and everything. So I decided I was going to move back in with my mom, with my son. And at that, and by this time, I had a daughter as well too. So I moved in with my mom, with my son and my daughter, and I literally just gave up everything. I put my furniture and stuff in storage, and I. I just started saving all my money and I used a credit agency um, to help me build my credit over the year and I decided because I was being a nanny that I wanted to open up my own daycare center one day and I used that money that I got and um, Social Security as well. I ended up getting Social Security for my ADHD and my bipolar. So that kicked in. I saved up all of that money. I didn't spend anything. You know, my kids, we ate what we can. If my mom cooked, whatever, it was it was really, really tough. And I used it all to open up that daycare center. And when I tell you, I was so excited. I thought all my troubles was, was going to be over. Because I'm like, yes, I'm my own boss. I don't have people telling me what to do. I can't get fired anymore. And right. it felt really, it felt so good and empowering but that was like it was the toughest thing I ever did in my entire life because when I tell you I used up every last bit of money I can to open up the the daycare center and run the daycare center that first year I questioned myself and I questioned God the most I ever did I said what am I making the right decision um, why did you tell me I can do this when I, I can't? I had to pay um, employees. I had no money to pay my employees. Um, the kids were trickling in slow. The bills was piling up. I didn't have money to feed my kids. If they couldn't eat at the daycare center because I had to provide food for the daycare kids, if they couldn't eat um, food at the daycare center, then they would just be hungry. Like At that time, I was probably the smallest I'd ever been in my entire life because I couldn't eat. We, I had to sacrifice everything to keep the daycare running. And on, on top of that, I had to be encouraging to my employees. They couldn't see that part mm-hmm. of me. They had to see a boss. They had to see somebody in control. Because if they didn't see me in control, then how would they be in control of those classrooms? So every day I walked in there with a smile. And, you know, I act like I had it all together. But when I went home, it was... I was writing down ways of how I'm going to get out of the hole. And I just, you know, I just kept on going. And eventually we had enough kids by the end of the year to pay all the bills. And um, I finally finally made it through. And that, when you become an entrepreneur, nobody tells you how hard it is. Like, they tell you all the good side, but it's like the hardest thing you can ever do. It's so rewarding, but it's, very hard especially if you don't have people that's entrepreneurs around you that can tell you what you're going to go through because they don't tell you that they're going to fail so many times before you eventually succeed if you don't have that support you think everything you're doing you're alone you feel like gosh like everybody else is making it and you feel like you're not but that is the road of being a a successful entrepreneur it's like fail 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 before you succeed and you have to take those failures as a way to tell you hey this is what you did wrong but now you can do this better and that is what I do now like so when I finally got that that first year under my belt I started teaching myself how to you know trade and I learned everything about forex and that's when I ended up starting 
to get into the passive income streams. And I taught myself everything to do about Forex. And I, I trained myself on getting up at 4.30 in the morning, um, trading by 8.30. By 8.30, my kids and stuff was, was dressed and ready to go to school. I was, I was done trading. I made money off of trading. And I would do that every day for the next three years. And that's when I opened up my second daycare center. Wow. And I did I did my second daycare center. Of course, it was not as tough as opening the first one because I already had money coming in. And um, so I had two daycare centers now. Um, I was doing um, Forex trading for three years under my belt. And then I taught myself how to open up an online store. And this time I got a mentor to, to help me and coach me through the way. And that's when I started making um, $30,000 or more each month with an online store and my life changed drastically like um, I started learning that I don't have to trade time for money anymore and that is what empowered me to build with Heights was to teach women that you know it doesn't matter what they have or what they don't have they can always open the doors for more but you can't open the doors that you don't know exist so you have to learn and you have to find other people to help you because an entrepreneur doesn't need support on, you know, opening up a business because you have that mindset as an entrepreneur, you want to get out there. But you need that support from other entrepreneurs, you know, just to be there with you along the way. They don't have to tell you, hey, open another business because every day I think about, more business and more business. That's just my mindset. But I also need that support to tell me it's other ways. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. so hard. I just hook the heights. And um, so my program teaches women um, how to get passive income with um, stocks, with online stores. I teach women how to write books. Um, I have multiple best-selling books on Amazon. Um, as, and that's royalty money so that money comes in for the rest of my life. I also um, taught my own child how to not have to work for anybody. Um, you know, when he gets older, I, I didn't stress about college or anything like that because I want him to make his own choices and I want all my kids to make their own choices. So um, I taught him about stocks and right now when I tell you he's 17 year old he's 17 years old he has his own clothing line and he's killing in the stock game um, and I'm you know I'm so proud of him because he was struggling for a minute um, in high school because he doesn't have that school mentality and I knew it um, so I just want to make sure that I encourage other women to support their kids and don't push them to do anything but you have to make sure that you're providing them with opportunities to learn outside of the norm and the norm is get up go to high school then go to college and you know and then work 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 and it's other ways and that is why hood the heights encourages women to teach their kids that and to teach them themselves that i love it i definitely love it i am a I'm an entrepreneur that left corporate in 2007 and i literally began touring the world performing and singing and everything and it wasn't until uh 2019 that i ended up injuring my knee 
and had a torn meniscus, torn ACL, and dislocated my sh- uh, shoulder that I had to figure out, okay, what are my other hustles because I couldn't tour for an entire right. year. And from that, from having to sit there and be idle, I had to figure out what else I could do. So my book became a, I wrote a book. It became an Amazon bestseller in seven hours. My boys started their own teen magazine. The magazine has featured Disney, American Idol, NFL stars, and all these different people are contacting us for their magazine. We all, all three of us, my two boys and myself, was just um, on a panel with Mark Cuban and Gene oh, wow. Simmons, and we're doing all of these things, but it, it's kind of like what you was just saying, like you have to go through some stuff, you got to, you know, step out there, and it's not easy when you first step out there at all. Mm-hmm. I think because I had a mother that pushed me when I was a kid to go after my dreams, when I finally became an adult of my own and I decided to go after my own dreams, it was a little easier for me. But mm-hmm. you definitely need a mentor or somebody that can that can help you along the way. And like you said, you already have the ambition. Once you have the idea to start your company, you've got the ambition, but you really need that support and you need that back that back mentorship to say okay so this might happen but this is what you need to do and you know and different things so it's really good that you're pouring that into your own kids um it's not it's not that many i'm not gonna say black people don't do trades but it's not that many it's not that many that i personally know of that do a lot of trading so i commend you because that's something that i thought about doing was trading yeah (laughs) and it's super Um, easy passive income like you know like that's how people build generational wealth and mm -hmm. we don't know a lot about generational wealth we just know what we have now and you know, our, when we have kids, they're going to get their own money. Like, we're right. supposed to set it up where our kids don't have to, you know, rush out and do anything. Like, of course, I, I want my son to get out at 18. But I'm not going to push him, especially yeah. if he's, you know, doing his best that he could, you know, possibly do. And, you know, like, we literally have to teach our kids about generational wealth so that they can break curses we want to break generational curses now it's like it's time for us to shine you know everybody else been um setting their children up for years and like other Mm -hmm. cultures they support each other they carry each other you know if if something happens in a culture or one person then the whole system is there like I know we live in a Jewish community and when I tell you like if somebody fall in hard times the whole community come on you know and and support them like we have to get there and we have Mm -hmm. to start supporting each other and teaching each other and it's so great now that I'm starting to see so many more of our people you know teaching each other about like trading and about you know writing and you know all types of ways so they can stop trading time for money so that they can spend more time with their kids and that we can stop letting the system raise our kids like we need to be there to raise our kids and that's very important to me and you know and that is my whole goal and I had mentors tell me like hey you should make your prices high so you can make more money and I make great money and it's not that is not my goal so my my program is only $20 a month and they have unlimited access to all my books all my courses and weekly Mm -hmm. coaching calls with me and my team and we're there to 
to take them every step of the way. Like on our coaching calls, we talk about how to start a business, how to maintain the business, different type of businesses, how to get business credit, how to get, um, how to build your own personal credit without using credit agencies, and how to start your own credit business as passive income, um, at you know, in a trade line business as well. So we walk them through all types of steps, and you know, if people have questions. And we take questions at the end and we talk about it at the next week. You know, we're, we're there as a big community to support each other. Sometimes I let people tell their stories because I want everybody to be able to feel comfortable and, you know, learn how to talk because I'm a big, like, what do you call it? Um, I don't go out much and I get social anxiety and stuff like that. But you can't tell when I'm on the phone or when I'm mm-hmm. on a Zoom call coaching because business is my passion kids is my passion so I can talk about that stuff all day but other than that I'm like in the house I don't go out and I wanted to get those people to you know introverts to be able to express themselves share their stories write their stories down and make money off of it you know so that's you know that that's the whole goal and you know I love the community that that's growing behind Hood to Heights that's wonderful. So how can our listeners reach you? So they can reach me um, on Instagram or Facebook at hood to heights or they can go to www.hoodtoheights.com. It's H-O-O-D, the number two, and then heights.com. Awesome. Well, I would like to take the time to thank you for being a part of Transparency Talks podcast. You was very transparent with a lot of things that I believe will really resonate with our listeners and will help them along the way in this thing called life. So thank you so much for being a part, and we'll talk to you guys later. All right. Thank you so much, and God bless everyone. Take care. Thanks again to our sponsor, Dr. Ravon. Visit him today and join in on the movement by visiting drravon.com. Once again, that's drravon.com.